0: Right. <clears throat> so this week we read about Jewish people arriving in Mitzrayim. The passage begins, The name of the Jewish people who arrived in Mitzrayim. And the um, obvious question is, they arrived in Egypt in last week's parasha, in the in Vayigash, actually, it says that they arrived in Mitzrayim. So why does it say over here, in this Torah portion, that they arrive in Mitzrayim now, when they arrive in Mitzrayim, they're ready in Parashat There the Torah says it at length, in great detail, how Yaakov came with his children, and it says it in more detail than it says there over here. So why does the Torah say this as if it's happening now? And uh, it seems redundant, and, um, and not just redundant, but it seems like wrong. It, it already happened. Why is it saying it happened now here again? So the Medrash says like this. Medish says that there's a difference between uh, the Jewish people's original arrival in Egypt to what's discussed in this week's story portion. The end of Parshish of Horatius talks about Yosef passing away. And the Medrash says that once Yosef passes away, that's when the massa of Mitzrayim started. That's when the burden of Egypt began. You didn't have the burden of Egypt as long as Yosef was alive. When Yosef passed away, that's when they started having the burden, the difficulty of Egypt. That's what Medrash says. started to get hard after Yosef passed away. Um, but the truth is that it doesn't stop there. After Yosef passes away, it continues to get harder. It says that um, Yosef, you know, Blake, I want to prop open the door. I think someone's by the door. Thank you very much. It says that Yosef and his brothers and all of his generation pass away, and the the new king arrives that doesn't know Yosef. And then the the Torah says that's when the real difficulty began. That's when they started to serve the Egyptians, to be slaves to the Egyptians. So as long as one of Yosef's brothers was alive, they didn't have that... Slavery. One day they begin to serve the Egyptians when everyone passed away. Thank you very much. So it comes out that there are really um, three different stages in their presence in Egypt. There is their initial arrival to Egypt, in Parshas ve'yigash. There is a further descent that happens after Yosef passes away. And then there is another descent after Yosef and his brothers pass away, and then the slavery begins. The truth is that there were more stages in their enslavement in Egypt. It says that uh, 86 years before they left, when Miriam was born, that's when the real difficulty began because that's what the word Miriam means. Miriam means to be bitter. Miriam, her birth began a new time period where they had not just slavery, but a very difficult slavery. So even within slavery itself, there were stages. And yet the Torah doesn't say they came to Egypt a third time. It says they came to Egypt twice. It doesn't mention a third time. It says he came to Egypt in Parshas It says, and again, beginning of Parshas after Yosef passes away. But when Yosef's brothers pass away, and then the slavery begins, not just the difficulty, the burden of Egypt begins, the Torah doesn't say again they came to Egypt. When Yosef passes away, the Torah says they arrive in Egypt again, because once Yosef passed away and had this new difficulty, it says it was it appeared to them as if they arrived in Egypt that very day. So, okay, they arrived in Egypt that very day, it's difficult. We understand why the Torah says they arrive in Egypt again, because it's a new Egypt, a different kind of Egypt. But what's worse, being in a state where there are um, diplomatic concerns, where there's difficulty or being a slave. Similarly, this difference between stage number one and stage number two is not as distant as stage number two to stage number three. Being in Egypt, but not having difficulty, okay, that, that's the change, but being, having difficulty versus having slavery is a much greater change. And yet the Torah doesn't describe their slavery as a new descent in Egypt. The Torah doesn't say that was something new. The question is why. that's a far greater change than their than Yosef passing away, Yosef's brothers passing away, and there being a, a, a new king and there being slavery. That seems to be a far greater change. So why doesn't the Torah describe this as something new? So to understand this, we have to explain a little bit more about what the word Egypt means. And what slavery means And what being in Egypt means The Hebrew word for Egypt Mitzrayim Comes from the word Mitzrayim Which means pain The Egyptians Caused pain to Jewish people Mitzrayim is so So when did they What causes pain to a Jew? What causes pain? What makes us have a hard time? What makes a Jew have a hard time Is that As the Torah says That when we arrived in Israel We We no longer had to go carry water uh, from the Nile River rather God brought rain to us in Israel so what's the difference between getting rain from heaven or getting rain from the Nile River the difference is, is that when you're getting rain from heaven you feel that God's giving it to you in the language of the Medrash when God's giving you rain you're looking upwards to get the rain of looking at Zev's ceiling, looking upwards at Zev's ceiling when he changes the screen over there. So, when you're looking upwards to get the rain, then you feel God's presence. That's the advantage of being in Israel. But when they were in Egypt and the Nile River overflowed at certain seasons, so you've, you could feel that's all natural, you could feel it's all happening by itself. That's what bothers a Jew. A Jew is someone who feels Hashem's presence, he feels a connection to God, and when something separates between him and Hashem, and he starts feeling that there's something else, that's what causes pain to a Jew. So Egypt is a place that causes pain to a Jew. Why does it cause pain to a Jew? It causes pain to a Jew because you start feeling there's something else besides Hashem. The fact that there's a Nile River, and it looks like everything's happening in a natural way, for a Jew, although it seems like it's You're a lot more independent. You don't have have to rely so much. You don't have to worry so much. But for a Jew, for an Neshama, that's painful. For Yisrael, for Yidin, that's painful. When you're in Egypt and it's possible to think that things are happening with your own power, with your own might, and there is a... That's painful. Israel is a place that makes you think about Hashem because you're getting rain from heaven. Now the truth is that... Israel isn't the only place that gets rain. Every place in the world besides Egypt gets rain from heaven. But the difference is, it it says in the Talmud, that Israel is a place, in the language of the Torah, that eyes of God are upon the land the whole year. God's eyes are always upon the land, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So there's never a moment where... You're where Hashem is, so to speak, not giving personal attention. Hashem gives personal attention to all of creation, but the Torah says that these, the the measure says these words. It says that when Hashem gives rain to the rest of the world, it's through an emissary. But God gives rain to Israel directly. It's the direct intervention, so to speak, from Hashem himself to give rain to Israel. Now, from our eyes, we don't see a, a difference between the reign of Israel and the reign of the rest of the world. But it's easier to feel how Hashem is giving you reign in Israel than it is to feel how Hashem is giving you reign in the rest of the world. It's easier to feel that. You've been to Israel, Ramon? Um, yeah, i, I Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So Egypt was hard. Egypt was hard because you couldn't feel it's coming from Hashem. That's why the Egyptians served the Nile River and they made it their god. They made the Nile River their God because they believed that nature is what's making everything happen. They believe it's all happening from the river by itself. The river is powerful. They don't need to look at Hashem. They don't care about it. They don't need to have Hashem. This will help us understand what Yaakov did when Yaakov came to Mitzrayim. Yaakov comes to Mitzrayim. And Yosef brings him to Paray, And the Torah says that Yaakov blessed Paray. What was a blessing he gave Paray? That the Nile River, during the time of the the famine, the Nile River did not rise and did not irrigate all the tributaries of the Nile throughout throughout Egypt. And then when Yaakov blessed Paro, he blessed him, that the Nile River should rise and it should irrigate all of Egypt. So in Yaakov's blessing to Paro, it seems Yaakov was like helping the idolatry of Egypt, but the truth is it was the opposite. Not only was he not helping the idolatry of Egypt, he was weakening the idolatry of Egypt. He was coming in the name of God, and he was giving them. A, he was telling them, "This Nile River, it's in the hands of Hashem, and the is giving him God's blessing that the Nile River will rise." So it's not. It's not like Egypt. I'm sorry. It's not like Israel, where they're getting rain from heaven, but he um, he he made he made the idolatry a little weaker by 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 identifying the natural, seemingly, natural um, events of the Nile River rising or not rising, he made, that, he made everyone realize that this wasn't happening by itself, that this was happening by Hashem's hand. So, what Yaakov's blessing accomplished was making their life easier. Instead of them having to go to the Nile River and to draw water out of the river directly, he caused through his blessing that the river should rise up. So he made it. He made the exile a little easier. Why? Because the worst thing that bothers a Jew, again, is that he feels there's something else besides Hashem. That they feel he feels there's something else. When a Jew feels all there is is Hashem, that's when a Jew feels good. When he feels there's nothing, he has to. Be, Jew feels dependent on God. That's a natural good place for for a Jew. So, when the Jewish people arrive in Egypt, we have Yaakov and his children, coming from Israel, and they know what life is about. They're in Israel. They're in a place where Divine Providence is open and clear, a place where God is giving rain to Israel directly. So they're coming to Egypt. They, they've seen Divine Providence. They're coming with a different aura. They're coming with, with a different, different perspective. They're coming with a different connection. They're coming from a place that's luminous, that's bright, that you can see Divine Providence so when they arrive in egypt it's a descent they're going, to, they're going to a different kind of place a place where there is no longer rain from heaven divine providence isn't as open and clear but it's not it's not um it's a descent but it's not as it's it's not as bad as when yosef passes away when yosef passes away it says as, it's as if they came to egypt a new time says that they came to egypt again why yosef and Yaakov. Are considered one entity. Ela tells Yaakov The Torah says, "Who was the child of Yaakov Yosef? Yaakov Yosef are the same idea. Yosef was the one who brought Yaakov to Pari to bless Pare. So as long as Yosef, whose continuation of Yaakov is around, so there's still a continuation of this luminous generation that that saw divine providence. That the Egyptians and those who lived in Egypt." They certainly were aware of Yaakov's blessing, and having Yosef, who was the progeny of Yaakov, being there in Egypt, it, it, it they didn't yet experience the difficulty, the burden of Egypt yet, because they still had this this exposure to someone who personified Yaakov and what Yaakov was about. This this revelation of Hashem that they brought from Israel. So it wasn't it wasn't considered. It was. It wasn't considered difficult until Yosef passes away. When Yosef passes away, and now it it seems like there is some other kind of entity there, it seems like there's some other kind of, they're losing that luminous aura that they brought with them from Israel, that's when the burden of Egypt begins. Now, after Yosef's brothers pass away, and the slavery begins, that's not considered a new era. That's not considered a new descent. It's worse, it's slavery, it's hardship. But it's not considered a new era when Yosef's brothers passed away. When the slavery begins, it's not considered a new era. Why not? Because you, what was the difference after Yosef's brothers passed away and the slavery began? It says that a new king arose who did not know Yosef. A new king came who did not know about Yosef. And as long as Yosef's brothers were alive, maybe they didn't have that vivid perception of godliness that they brought with them from Israel but they at least knew about Hashem's truth. Knowing about Hashem's truth versus seeing Hashem's truth is two different realms. Know- knowledge, the intellect, is something external. Something, it's something that's not, it's not the core of a person, right? Your brain power, your mind, isn't your core. When you see something, that's, that's vivid, that touches your essence. When you understand something, that's not your you, that's not your core. What makes something real and vivid to you is when you see it with your eyes. So when Yosef passes away, and they lost that, they lost someone who brought the aura of Israel with them to Egypt, that, and where the aura of Israel, again, is this luminous world where they see Hashem's divine providence every single day. As long as Yosef, who personified what Yaakov was about, was alive, so so they saw godliness in a way. They came at least from an aura of seeing godliness. When Yosef passes away, they didn't forget about Yaakov's blessing. Yosef's brothers knew about it and the Egyptians knew about it, but knowing about something versus seeing something is a different world. And therefore, it's not considered a new Egypt when Yosef's when, uh, brothers pass away and the generation passes away and no one forgets about what happened because knowledge the, the, the knowledge isn't as strong as seeing something with your eyes so the generation of Yosef's brothers who, and the generation of of the Egyptians who knew about Yaakov's blessings that generation being around didn't make Egypt to be that much different yes after they passed away it says that the slavery began yes it became much more difficult but it's not called a brand new Egypt when is there a brand new Egypt when you lose when you lose a revelation of Hashem uh, the, of the, that Yosef brought with him from Israel Yaakov brought with him from Israel rather the, the, this luminous era of divine providence, that's when there is a new arrival in Egypt, that's when there's, when there's a new problem but Yosef, Yosef's generation passing away, that's just a difference in logic, it's not, it's not considered a brand new Egypt and that's the reason also why the redemption from Egypt begins with Moshe Rabbeinu Coming, and his snake a staff turning into a snake and then the snake swallowing up the other snakes what does that mean staff snake a staff swallowing up the snakes what does that mean the snake represents the pharaoh the egyptians as it says in the torah uh, paro is called the great snake who was in the river so The problem in Egypt was, again, this feeling that there's something other than Hashem, some other power than Hashem. So that's the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu's staff turning into a snake. The staff turning into a snake represents how even the difficulty of Egypt, even even the fact that you're in Egypt, that's not something other than Hashem. That's something other than Hashem making it happen. It's not that there's some force other than Hashem that's making things happen. Even when you're you're in Egypt, you still feel that it's Moshe's staff turning into a snake. That's the meaning of Moshe's staff Mm -hmm. turning into a snake, that they realized that even the difficulty that they were experiencing was also from Hashem's hand. That's the meaning also of Moshe's staff swallowing up all all the other snakes. His staff swallowing up the other snakes means that it started to be revealed in Egypt. The redemption from Egypt is that... That there's a consciousness of, uh, uh, and not just a consciousness, but there's a revelation of Hashem's divine providence in Egypt. Let me just say one 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 story. You'll make make it more real. The previous Rebbe, when he was imprisoned, so a guard put a gun up to his head and he said to him, "This toy can make people talk, right?" And the previous Rebbe said, "This toy can only scare someone who has." many gods in one world, but someone who has one God in two worlds, this toy doesn't scare him. The previous Shabbat emphasized two points. Number one, that he has two worlds. Number two, that he has one God. The fact that the previous Shabbat said that he has two worlds, that makes sense. Because if you only have one world, then the gun is is a very powerful thing. But the previous Shabbat also said he has one God. What, what, What did he emphasize by saying that? What he emphasized was people might think that there's two gods. There's a God who does good, there's another God who does bad. There's, there's, in the language of the Gemara, there's Hurmuz, that there's one God that's in the spiritual, another God in the physical. So when the previous Rebbe is now in front of a KGB guard, and the guard is putting his gun to his head, you, the previous Rebbe said, I only believe in one God. Even you right now who are with me, putting the gun to my head, that's also from the one God. There's one God who does good, and the, when I, your power is not any other power than his power. There's nothing happening by itself. The snake comes from the staff as well. And that's the beginning of the ge'ula, that consciousness, that realization, that the ge'ula itself, that the exile itself, is, is from Hashem. That's why the word ge'ula in Hebrew, the word redemption in Hebrew, what does is, what is redemption mean in Hebrew? The word redemption, the word exile in Hebrew have the same letters. geulah is a word for exile, and ge'ula is a word for redemption. What's the difference between the geulah and ge'ula? The letter aleph. What's the letter aleph mean? Aleph means Hashem. Aleph means the master, Alufa shalela. The difference between now and Mashiach, as Rebbe Rashi once said, there's nothing higher than today. Mashiach comes, we'll see what's happening today. Nothing higher than today. Mashiach comes, we'll see the Aleph. We'll see Hashem's power and everything. We'll see the truth, the goodness, and everything. Right now, we only see the outside. We see the. We see. It looks like things are happening naturally. Mashiach will come. We're going to leave Egypt, leave the exile. What's going to happen? We're going to see the Aleph. We're going to see. Hashem's presence in the exile. We see the Hashem's presence in the world. It's not that there'll be a different world. We're going to see the G- Hashem's energy that gives life and animates and sustains and creates every single thing in the world. That's what Geula means. Geula is about their revelation of Hashem in the world. So that's the um, reason why the Torah says that their arrival in Egypt that was considered a difficulty, and it's considered like the, the, the hardship of Egypt begins because they feel that some other force there. And Geula, redemption, is about this realization, this consciousness, that there's nothing besides Hashem. Okay, great. Okay, <laughs> great.